Have you guys ever had a uh, Schlafly beer brewery out of St. Louis? No. no. So they are, they're the equivalent in St. Louis of summit. They're like an OG. They've been around for forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're director of marketing. So this guy who has this unbelievably amazing job, I can't remember if he full quit or just went to part time to open his own nitro ice cream shop, but it was all booze ice cream and it was really good. <laughs> You want me to be that type of dude And I want to be who you like me to But we both know I can't do nothing at all Podcast. We just got done pre-recording a very great interview with the Minneapolis, uh, a couple of folks from Minneapolis City, Sarah Schreier and Adam Pribble, which we will add, we'll throw into probably in the middle of the podcast here. But we spent about 25 minutes with them or 20 minutes with them. Uh, it was great. Lauded a little bit more about their new recent hires, um, as well as, you know, a little bit more about, uh, you know, the Minneapolis City kit process. And and uh, we actually got a little bit of a sneak preview about some some upcoming merch drops. So um, look forward to that in a few minutes. But uh we have the regular guys in the podcast today. MJ, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm uh, busy with bicycles and Linux, so two very different things. Cool. Uh, Dan, how's it going? Uh, not too bad. I woke up this morning with a migraine, which is really just really nailing home that 2020 can go fuck itself with a cactus. Uh, but I cleared that. I can see out of both eyes now. So that's a, that's a plus. It's a plus. Things are looking up. Right, exactly. You know, just, uh, just as long as you don't wake up with one tomorrow, right? Or, you know, any other day. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, all right. Well, um, we have a few things to talk about. Obviously, uh, we had a game that got canceled for because of COVID, a game that should have probably got canceled because of COVID, uh, but did not get canceled, uh, amongst some other stuff. So uh, let's jump right into it. Again, you can always um, support us on the Patreon, patreon.com slash the Daves I Know. We're now only about five to seven weeks away from that Heath Out Stout beer becoming available. So each time we listen to a podcast, it's one more week that, that makes it closer to being drinkable. So if you want to get a, get in on that, patreon.com slash the Daves I know. Uh, Martin, Craig, and I are going to be recording a watch party podcast later this week. I believe on Thursday, we are doing the Vinnie Jones, Jason Statham classic Mean Machine, which is basically just a knockoff of the, um, what's that, Burt Reynolds uh, football movie where they go to prison. The Longest Yard. The Longest Yard. It's basically, yeah, it's like a soccer knockoff of The Longest Yard, basically. But it's got Jason Statham and... Vinny fucking Jones in it. So it should be very, very exciting. So Vinny fucking Jones, who used to play professionally. Yes. Yeah. And is, is not a very good actor, but yes, he does a lot of acting. He plays a lot of thugs in English, uh, English movies. So, um, which pretty much makes sense for Vinny Jones's career. So uh, <laughs> you want access to that. If you want access to get, pick up that beer uh, when you, when we finally are able to, to distribute it, uh, patreon.com slash the Daves. I know to help support the Daves that, you know, so all right, let's uh, let's jump in. We played Colorado. Um, 
only what six days ago five days ago but it feels like fucking forever i don't understand why time is definitely not a linear concept anymore um and i don't know the, i guess the best the least less said about this game the better in my estimation do you guys have any any you know quick thoughts on on the match it was nice to see minnesota united look good for a consistent stretch it's not something we had seen i mean yeah six unbeaten but it was pretty lackluster six um so i mean yeah i know we're going to talk about this being a a tale of two halves but at least there was a half uh that to me represents progress and i think so much comes down to uh i know reynoso was an expensive signing he's worth every dime that we paid for him right uh mj just that we had a lot of great attacking chances in that that first half yeah schoenfeld didn't finish and Neither did Michael Boxall off a off a header, off of a Gregus sort of corner, but that first half did look really good with our attacking chances and and the being able to string together several passes on the pitch to attack. We haven't seen that enough from Minnesota United. Correct, uh, correct. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, about the game. Well, to start off, there was the the uh, article came out or the the, the information came out that there was a gentleman's agreement between Colorado and Minnesota that they would not play Kai Kamara during this match. Which, and it came out after I had said, this is the game that he needs to step up because he's going against his former team. Probably precisely why they did it, MJ. But um, yeah. notwithstanding, it was it was also something that was uh, of that Kai Kamara didn't realize because uh, Kai Kamara um, mentioned about it on Instagram, which is basically kind of like, what the fuck? I didn't realize I couldn't play against my former team. So there's a lot of, you know, it's, this is typically, you know, obviously we would have talked about this last week if we had known when we recorded last week. I mean, this typically happens a lot in loans, right? You don't play against the, your, your home team. I've never, ever once seen this in a trade uh, scenario. Obviously, you know, there's not a ton of trades in the rest of uh, world soccer. There's a hell of a lot more loans, obviously. Um, but I, and I guess I, this may be, this must have been, this must be a thing that happens in MLS fairly regularly because a lot of, of the people that yeah, I follow didn't even didn't seem to think it was much of a deal. So, I don't know, you guys have any thoughts on that? This is still just wonky as hell to me. Like, if I, the reports were basically that Colorado made this a provision to get any deal done, that's just absolutely bonkers to me. And like, it says something about how much how long memories are in this league. The Minnesota United didn't go, oh, yeah, we'll totally not play him and then start him. But they're they're definitely afraid of burning that bridge in a way that I just don't think, like, we would see if Aston Villa sold a player to Everton. Like, whatever. <laughs> like, Aston Villa's probably going to get relegated at some point in the next five years and screw them. It seems to be the much more the mentality there. So it was just the, the whole process was really interesting to me. I don't know. And maybe I'm in the wrong here. And this, in fact, happens all the time and we just don't really notice it. But I don't know. I got I, I take issue with this. Kamara should have been able to play. And I think it's bunk that he didn't even more than that. I think it's complete bunk that he didn't know until the date that the day of or until game day that yeah. this was going to be the case. Yeah. How do you make a gentleman's agreement and not include the gentleman involved? This is absolute horseshit and it is part and parcel with a lot of Minnesota United transparency and communication. 
I expect that, that they don't do that with the fans, but I assume that the internal communication with their players is decent. This is just weird. It was, it was indeed. And, you know, again, it's just par for the course with Minnesota's front office. Um, well, I mean, the game started off pretty slow for Minnesota. Um, Ozzy Alonso went out in the 28th minute with an injury, um, a hamstring, uh, not the hamstring that he's been dealing with, the other hamstring. Uh, so that was awesome. Uh, and Ja'Cory Hayes, who did not start, obviously, came in in the 28th minute. Minnesota got a goal uh, right before the halftime. Molino uh, to Reynoso to Lude, who finished. Uh, and when, you know, Lude is on the right, good things happen. Right, Dan? Exactly. I mean, we've been bitching and moaning. Okay, me primarily. Every time he's on the left, that it's a wasted opportunity. And I was really, really glad to see him on the right in this game. And the goal was exceedingly well taken. But even beyond that, he just he offers quite a bit in that right wing position. Uh, to the extent that I think it's I think it's the right call going forward to start him and have Finley coming off the bench. Yeah, um, there was a quote from Heath after the game. Uh, pleased for Robin. That's his eighth of the season now, doing well considering he can't score by all accounts. So I'm pleased for him, which is uh, a quote that he had that um, I believe the team put up in a in a post that was quickly deleted when they realized that they were kind of being dicks to their own fans. But you know, it is what it is. So hey, so that's, that's growth. At least they deleted it. Yeah, right. They're learning. Yeah. Um, well, the problem was Minnesota. Minnesota kind of got kicked around in this match. Uh, Reynoso um, took a kick on his ankle in the first half. He he kept playing. He was actually he would actually come off uh, very relatively early in the second half. Uh, Aaron Schoenfeld, uh, Jacory has got a groin strain towards the end of the match, so it was not a it was not a great match. Um, speaking of that second half, uh, in the 62nd minute, Ethan Finley comes in as a sub for Reynoso again. Reynoso had that knock. Uh, seven minutes later, um, Colorado gets a goal uh, from Shinya Shaki, who uh, we pointed out last uh, last podcast is one one to look out for. Um, and then Minnesota made a couple subs in the 82nd minute. Uh, Edwards for Schoenfeld, again, who had took that knock, and then Hairston for Hayes, which really sucks when you come out as a sub in the 20th minute, you can't finish the game. But yeah, he also took a took a knock. And then in the 89th minute, uh, Metnir. Uh, to Finley, and then Abu Bakar uh, puts the ball in the back of his own net. Um, Edwards was making a run uh, in the middle that caused a little bit of, of confusion. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that goal, or the or the Colorado goal if either wants to talk about that. The the one quick note I'll make on the Colorado goal is this is probably one of the first goals we've seen DSC give up that was truly a goalkeeping error. He just kind of over pursued, gave up the angle on the pass, and. Uh, to Colorado's credit, Diego Rubio found Shinyashiki really, really nicely. Shinyashiki put it away. He's a, a solid finisher, so perhaps that's unsurprising. Um, but yeah, they, this is kind of the first time that I that DSC has really been solely responsible for a goal. Um, and so he's certainly entitled to those growing pains, but having them in a game that United then backed him up and still won, I think is, is absolutely ideal. Yeah. Yeah, Debake had... Rubio, it would be nice a more mature Dane St. Clair look, picks his head up, sees that the only person that can guard Shingashiki is Robin Lude, you know, chasing him, you know, three feet behind him, you know, it'll right. come. Chasing, correct. Chasing. I'm doing the air quotes. Yeah. No pun intended, but this yeah. This is an audio medium, chasing. I, did, I didn't use pagerowing there as a verb for good reason. <laughs> All right. Is it, yeah, oh, the no. On the United goal, I think it's it's absolutely worth 
it, it's an own goal. It like I'm not disputing that distinction at all. If you watch the build up play, uh, Abubakar gets on the wrong side of Edwards and actually reaches out, pulls him back a little bit to try to get him get on the right side of him. Uh, so it's clearly that run that unsettles Abubakar that puts him in position where his head is is not watching Finley cross the ball. He's looking for where his runner is. Uh, and then full credit to Finley. That's probably the best cross we've seen somebody hit this season. And by the time Abubakar gets his head around, there's nothing he can do. He yeah. could not have avoided that ball. So I think, yep, it's definitely an own goal, but this is 100% Edwards' run, Finley's ball, and it just happened to be Abubakar's head that put it home. And to take nothing away from Robin Lude on his goal, but there was a similar run made by Aaron Schoenfeld on that. He dragged he dragged his defender completely to our left that opened up the right side. There's a nice parting of the red sea by the defense for Robin Lude to just strike that ball through. So two really good run, run middles that aren't going to show up on the stat sheet. Yeah. Uh, and you know, <clears throat> as we mentioned before, Minnesota has been very hot and cold in these halves. Um, and uh, you know, the second half was, you know, fairly dominant. Minnesota was, you know, doing everything that they needed to do. They're creating the scoring chances. Uh, and then just, a, a, you know, outside of the, the goal, which was, you know, obviously created by Minnesota, just not, not great in the second half. So what, what, what is it? I mean, again, are we, is it just, are we beating the same dead horse? And it's just that Heath continues to get outcoached in the second half of these games, because that's what it certainly seems like. I think Minnesota just gets too conservative. I think, they are far more confident in their ability to protect one goal leads than they've actually shown this season. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. And I think particular to this game, I think it was figuring out who was on the pitch at any given time. You right. know, if you're planning Ozzy Alonso being back there and all of a sudden it's Jacory Hayes and honestly, truly nothing take away Jacory from Jacory, I should say, but he's not Ozzy Alonso and he is a very different type of player. And then he goes off, and by the end of the game, Reynoso goes off. So all of a sudden your attack's a little different. So this one, I think it's a, okay, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here. Cause I don't know where my teammates are. I don't know who my teammates are far more than the fatigue issue we've talked about in some other games. I'm going to just say that I totally agree with the too conservative thing. And I tend to like very conservative soccer in the sense of preserving leads and not overextending yourself, but you have to know who your opponent is. It's very different going up one nil on the Philadelphia Union or LAFC, let's say, and decide that you want to bunker 10 in the box, let's say, and then just kick it deep and knock the clock for, you know, 30 some odd minutes. If you're playing Colorado, maybe use the fact that you're up a goal to try to extend that lead, possess the ball, make them tired, move the ball around, maybe get another goal in the process. Don't stop doing the things that got you that first goal. It just... Again, know who your opponent is, know what you can, can do. There are plenty of times, the, the last you know few minutes of stoppage time when you're up a goal, that you need to just bunker down and be conservative and protect. But for a whole half, for 45 minutes, that's ridiculous. Well, and I think it's a, it's a failure to adapt to the realities of 2020. We just have not seen teams consistently be able to hold leads without giving up goals. And that's not unique to Minnesota United. Offenses are just ahead of defenses at that point. I don't know. It's really hard to make a league-wide judgment, but I think injuries are part of that. I'm sure fatigue is part of that. Um, so you've kind of got to adapt to your tactics, even if in a normal season you think you might be able to bunker 45. 
it's just not happening this year. It's not happening for Minnesota United specifically, but it's not happening for anyone by and large. So I think it really is a, a little bit, not necessarily tactical naivety, but just a lack of understanding of the, the rules don't apply this season. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Any, anything else we want to touch on for the Colorado match before we get to our ready news? It's a good win. In contrast to, let's say, like the FC Cincinnati win, which you sort of felt bad. Like maybe they should have been worth, you know, 1.75 points instead of a full three. This was a good game. It was a United played well enough to win and they deserved to. Yeah. It was, they asked Adrian Heath if, uh, basically, if he thinks they, if he, they pinched one uh, after the match. And he, he actually said yes. Um, that, you know, they obviously played, he thinks they played better in Cincinnati um, and uh, <laughs> did not play good this game. Um, but, uh, well, you know, again, wins a win and three points is three points. And it's actually three points is actually worth more points now. Um, we'll talk about that in a, in a little bit here, but it's a, yeah, it's a good win. Uh, all right. Let's get to those Freddie dues. Um, Dan, what you start and tell us who, who yours is. So, yeah, my good Freddie ado is Reynoso. Um, I think it's super dangerous. We saw this a little bit with uh, Darwin Quintero when he first came to United. It's dangerous when the offense relies so heavily on one component, but my goodness, is that dude good. His vision is so good. And he's got the, the, the technical ability to get the ball there. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing him fully healthy, ideally not dealing with COVID next season. Um, just, you know, in a consistent attack because for United, if something good happens, he's probably either part of the buildup or he's given the last ball in. Yeah. Uh, and then my shitty Freddie Adu, which I touched on already, is DSC. Um, I didn't think he was quite as reliable in this game as he has been in the past. Um, but honestly, your keeper gets some of those every season. That's just kind of how the position works. That's doubly true for a young player like DSC. So he picked a great game to have a bad game. <laughs> Correct. Uh, MJ? My good Freddie Adu is Robin Lude because of the amazing goal. And one time with the left foot, what you want the left footed dude on the right side to be doing. And my shittiest player of the game, Freddie Adu, goes to the gentleman's agreement. Right. We can all agree that Heath was shitty in this game. Um, you know, I, I don't have any qualms with Reynoso or Lude. Um, I also don't think there's anybody else. Who, I mean, everybody was okay on the pitch. There's nobody who's like, egregiously bad in the soccer other than maybe that that one play by Dane um but I also don't think anybody like stood out and you know obviously even right now so picking up a knock and not being able to go you know more than 60 minutes or so is, is also not a not a great sign uh my shitty friend you do it I'm not gonna spend a ton of time on this because I I wrote some stuff uh on our sub stack if you want to read it but Brent Coleman um I know we, we haven't talked about this and everybody's probably like pulling their hair out saying why are we not talking about it he decided he got the start, obviously, with uh, AHA being out and, you know, the team was obviously hurting for, for folks. Uh, Brent Coleman got the start and uh, stood in lieu of taking a knee during the match, before the match kicked off in the, the moment of silence where everybody, literally everybody kneels. Um, and I'm not even really, like, Brent Coleman is going to be Brent Coleman and, like, you know, whatever. The fact that the team hasn't hasn't put anything out the team hasn't said anything <clears throat> the team hasn't made him available to answer questions about this uh the fact that he was one of the uh it was him and Heath were the two guys who did the post-game quotes and of course nothing from you know the team didn't ask him any questions about 
his reasoning to stand and all that stuff. And it's just now it's to the point where this is just a slap in the face to um, anybody who cares about this issue and cares about Minnesota United. So I don't want to spend as many as any more time talking about that shit bag. Um, if he wants to come on this podcast and explain his actions and he's, he's more than welcome to, I've extended that invitation to him. I don't think he will because, you know, I think he's a fucking coward. So yeah, that's all we're going to say about that. Unless you guys really, really want to get in there. But if you want to jump in the, the Dave's I know, uh, uh, Substack, um, I've written a couple things in there. Um, about the first time when this happened down in Orlando and then uh, the most recent one, the most recent one was few. I wrote that after the game on Wednesday. So I was a little, I was a little tipsy when I wrote that. So um, definitely went back the next morning to make sure I didn't have too many uh, spelling errors and <laughs> grammatical errors, but uh, I really, you know, if you will, if you want to get my th- complete thoughts, that's the, that's the place to go. So, all right, let's do Colorado real quick. Dan, who's your Freddie Adu's? Uh, my good Freddie Adu is Andre Shin Yoshiki, uh, former rookie of the year, uh, really just a solid goal scorer. I thought he took the goal really nicely. But Shitty Freddie Adu and the probably the most disappointing player was Jonathan Lewis, a player I really, really like a lot, who started this game and, and he had kind of spent most of the season as a super sub with people just screaming. Um, Andrew Wiebe, uh, Matt Doyle, some of the guys on uh, the multiple listing system.com uh, and myself included saying, hey, this guy really needs to start. I mean, he scored an amazing goal against Minnesota United down in Orlando phenomenal talent just kind of didn't have it for the 57 odd minutes he played in this game so it was a huge bummer to see him finally get the start but then not really make the most of the opportunity yeah mj my good Freddie adu goes to Eunice Namli. he had one play it didn't end up scoring but he dribbled through three loon defenders just on his own and he was doing that sort of thing all day to minnesota united in, in the midfield when colorado was looking good uh, if we counted hockey assists, he would have gotten a, a second assist on the first goal or Colorado's only goal. So that's my good pretty do. My pretty do shittiest player of the game for Colorado. It's kind of an easy target. It has to be uh, Lavas uh, Lubakar. And he's normally really solid back there. So, it, you know, just kind of bad luck on, the, on, on tracking back. I always say better to have your back to the net than be chasing, chasing back. And that's one reason why. Yeah, I, I would agree, uh, Dan, on Chinashiki. <clears throat> he's looked really good. I believe he's got uh, Brazilian, Japanese, and U.S. Uh, potential for national teams. So um, it would be nice to um, you know, maybe see him in a U.S. national team uniform. I, don't, I can't remember who did it, but the guy who stepped on, who uh, kicked Reynoso, that guy is a fucking asshole. So... <laughs> I'm going to say that guy for the... Is that Jack Price? It might be Jack Price. Yes, it was because he got a yellow card for it, I think. So, yes, yeah. Jack Price. Fuck Jack Fuck Price. Him. Yeah. Um, all right. It so was wrong. Of... <laughs> all right, so that wraps up the Colorado Rapids game. Um, obviously, we're supposed to play Sporting Kansas City on Sunday. That game got canceled after a, another Minnesota um, United player tested positive. Now, uh, we didn't mention this in the top of the podcast, but... Uh, a player tested positive on Wednesday for Minnesota and they, they kept playing. They, they kept the game on um, which is interesting because last time this happened, they canceled the game. Um, and I think this was announced before Colorado had flown, um, but they, they still managed, they still decided they needed to play the game. Colorado. I think they were between a rock and a hard place. Colorado already has a bunch of games that are going to get canceled because they're not going to get uh, made up. And so I think they really felt like they needed Colorado to play this game. <clears throat> Minnesota obviously has had 
a couple games canceled as well. Um, and then after the game, so Chase Gasper. So the reason why, basically, the reason why Brent Coleman was in the in the lineup was Chase Gasper was out, not in the lineup and not in the eighteen. So it's you know presumably he is the one who tested positive for COVID. Um, obviously, we don't know for sure, so we're not you know staying a statement of fact or anything. I actually don't think so because he was oh, really? in the stands. Interesting. Okay, that's right. He so, wasn't, wasn't he? Yeah. So he either Minnesota's playing real fast and loose with the term isolation, or it's not him because I thought he was getting traded because the next day was uh, the trade deadline. And I was like, right. Oh my gosh, Gasper's getting, getting traded, but he wasn't right. that either. You're right. You're right. Sorry about the, sorry to, to impugn Chase Gasper's character, but so somebody tested positive for Minnesota. I mean, it could have been a, not a player. It could have been a, a person from the staff too. Um, because I think he was the only one who was like, not who would normally be in the 18 and who was not in the 18. So I'm not even, I'm not sure why Gasper was not, not in, the, in the lineup then. He so the Star Tribune reported two players were tested positive within four days. So I assume it's a player, but. Oh, so, so yeah. So then I, so in after a couple of days after that, a, another player tested positive. So they canceled the sporting Kansas city game, which um, they had just announced MLS announced. Uh, yes. Was it yesterday that they announced it, that they're going to be going officially going to points per game uh, or being used. Um, so uh, there's a, there's a conspiracy theory out there. Uh, maybe this is a MJ Anon uh, theory, yeah. but um, Minnesota, you know, we're okay with canceling that game because it definitely helps them out in the points per game because they are definitely going to, or they definitely weren't, they were, they were definitely, it's definitely going to be a lot harder to win in Kansas city, pl- probably playing as we kind of joked about in the last podcast, some crazy three, five, two or something, because they have a shit ton of injuries and they have guys who can't play with because of COVID. So they probably get to play some weird, um, some weird formation anyways and sporting Kansas City you know they I think were probably upset because that's pretty much almost a guaranteed three points for them so is that, tell you, is that too MJ Anon for for you guys or yeah the on the MJ Anon slack right now that's exactly what we've been talking about is like it's not just a blessing in disguise it's a blessing by design you know like okay whose turn is it to claim they have COVID this week okay because that game against sporting Kansas City in Children's Mercy Park only benefits the Loons in a points-per-game standing if we win, if we get three points. One and zero points doesn't really help us, and we know what our record is down there. So, you know, that it's by design. Right. And so when they announce that, um, it actually means the Minnesota is officially qualified for the playoffs. They cannot drop out of the top eight. Um, they're pretty much locked into either four, five, or six um, place really depending on what happens with um, their game against the fire on Wednesday, which we'll talk about and their game against Dallas on Sunday, <clears throat> but also related to what uh, LA LAFC has one more game left. They host uh, Portland Timbers on Sunday and obviously Dallas plays us on Sunday, but they, they also go to Nashville on uh, Wednesday as well. So if you are and most- LAFC, LAFC may have two games left. The league has not told them that they are not making up the San Jose earthquakes game. Correct. Because the quakes are still theoretically so the other the pre, the reason the the SKC call off may not be conspiracy is that both of those teams were locked into the playoffs so it it matters for seeding but not for actually playing or not San Jose it matters for will they will they get in or won't they and so the league really is pushing LAFC to reschedule that game but it just hasn't been done yet with the clock sticking because they've got to do it midweek ahead of decision day on Sunday. Yeah, because San Jose is San Jose playing on Wednesday or no? Uh, I'd have to double check. So let's 
we'll bring yeah. it up in the in the next segment. Um, uh, they are, they are not, so they could theoretically make up that game on Wednesday as well. So, um, well, interesting. That's there you go. So, make it happen, Don Grabber. Right on. <clears throat> Exhaust <laughs> these teams. Yeah. Um, basically, you know, with the standings the way they are, if uh, Minnesota United wins out, uh, they win these next two games. Um, that's the, I mean, that's the easiest way. That's the simplest way to, to lock it in. Assuming LAFC does not, um, or I don't think they can actually, if they, if they make up that, um, that's that they, if they, if they get two wins as well. Um, so Minnesota wins both their games, gets all six points. That's the easiest way to do it. There's obviously other scenarios where Minnesota United wins, uh, and, and gets a draw or, or two draws and, and LAFC and FC Dallas winning and losing and all that, um, zone coverage, dot com there's an article actually up there that uh has it breaks down the scenarios this obviously assumes that lafc does not make up that san jose match uh but basically you know minnesota's locked into either the basically the four five or six position they're currently sitting in fourth uh right now based on points per game so um but it also means that minnesota united really needs three points on wednesday against chicago like the they it's the the bare minimum was of what they need is, is three points against chicago really to help set them up for to not have to take all three points from Dallas on Sunday. And if we, we get fourth, we host, right? We host playoff. Correct. Well, assuming they don't make everybody go into a bubble, which is what the, what they probably right. should do, but yes, we would host, we would host the game obviously with no fans, but we would host up here um, against LAFC in like November 20th or 21st. So we'll probably be Important cold. Caveat. So. Oh, all right, so let's talk a little bit about some of the other stuff that happened for Minnesota United. Um, they obviously have a bunch of players down, um, including those two with COVID, uh, that they end up canceling the game against the Sporks on Sunday. They assigned three players from Reno 1868 FC. Um, want to talk a little bit about these guys? Uh, who wants to Who wants to go? I'll talk about Sam Weedle, 24 years old. He can pretty much play anywhere on the left which is where we need depth. So that's great. And he was actually the 2019 Reno rookie or uh, young player of the year with five goals and four assists last year in 2019. I will take uh, Kevin Partita. Uh, Kevin Partita spent most of the season as a defensive mid, but uh, began the year actually more as a center mid. So I suspect the team sees him as a potential replacement for Ozzy, Boy, if Ja'Cory Hayes misses time, that sixth position is incredibly cursed because that'll be Ozzy, Hassani Dotson, and Ja'Cory Hayes that all got hurt while right. playing yeah. in that position. Yeah. Um, so good good luck. Good luck, Kevin Partita. Um, he's the, uh, he was on the 2020 USL All-League second team, four goals and an assist, perhaps most relevantly from his position. Had 16 key passes or hockey assists, basically. But that's not quite accurate. Key passes are the the pass that leads to the pass that leads to a shot uh he won 65 percent of his tackles he's got about 83 percent passing accuracy so really really solid in the middle of the park um interesting fact from his season he picked up three yellow cards in the regular season none before the 80th minute wow yeah impressive um all right i'll take the i'll take the last one uh foster langsdorf um also joined he's a forward uh played one year with reno he played 18 games Scored 11 goals during this 2020 season. Um, he was a product of the Portland Timbers Academy. He signed a homegrown contract with them in January of 2018, but mostly played with the Portland Timbers 2 team. Um, he 
57 games, 22 goals and 15 assists. He had made his Timbers debut against the San Jose Earthquakes in 2018 in a Open Cup match, um, but pretty much has been either in the USL Championship uh, or sorry, the Timbers two team, uh, which is in the championship, or again, this the one season with Reno. So um, definitely, we certainly need forward depth as well. These are all really like, you know, they're they're definitely players that you're taking a um, a flyer on, and you're hoping that they can maybe do something in these last three or four games. Um, hopefully, if there's a playoff run, but they're probably only getting onto the pitch in like the most dire of circumstances, I would think, right? Um, maybe part. I partied is the one that I think the team may have some, some designs on um, just because they're so thin at that, that six spot at this point, I suspect he'll be in the 18, um, whether he gets on the pitch or whether they start him, I guess I would be a little surprised to see that, but yeah. I mean, I see, stranger I, things have happened. I can see Langsdorf getting into the 18 as well as a, as a, you know, forward backup forward. Um, I mean, if they're putting Fred Emmings on the bench, might as well put a fucking forward on the bench, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Well, and the interesting thing about Langsdorf is uh, he was kind of the the biggest snub off of the all-league team. He scored in seven straight games this season. Yeah. So his form is quite good. And, I mean, I I tend to think the, hey, in-form strikers, the goal gets bigger. It's a little bit of a hoodoo, but I'd rather have a guy who had scored in seven straight and was feeling really good than a guy who hadn't scored in seven straight. Right. And these guys are all 24 or 25 years old. So they're all, um, and they all have green cards, which is another, another big, big factor there as well. So, I mean, I definitely could see these guys on the roster starting in 2021. I think this is just an opportunity for Minnesota United to take a fly out a few guys, um, see them in practice, how they, how they train, how they are gelling with, you know, potential teammates. Um, it's a, it's probably very, you know, I'm sure the contracts are very minimal with options, uh, for next year. So, um, it's really, I mean, these are basically, I don't know, for lack of a better term, flyers on these guys. I love this move. Reno really impressed a lot of people in the championship this year. So to take three of their better players and say, let's see what you got. I think is brilliant. I mean, we've seen guys like Mark Anthony K come out of the championship, um, Adam John down in Atlanta this season. Like it, it is it is absolutely a jump that can be made. And I think United gave themselves a really good chance to find some talent by acting quickly. Yeah, for sure. Trivia tidbit, since there isn't a one to loon segment, Sam Gleedle went to New Mexico, played for the Lobos. If he ends up playing left back, it will be just like Justin Davis mm. on the left, left-hand side, who was from also played for uh, the New Mexico Lobos. I forgot he was a Lobo. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, let's take a break. When we come back, we will we'll actually come back with that interview with uh, Adam and Sarah from Minneapolis City. Um, so hold on, and, and we'll be right back. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. All right, welcome back. And we have uh, two uh, folks from Minneapolis City. Uh, they have been very busy in the last few days making some making some moves uh, on their coaching staff. And we figured we'd bring them in uh, to tell us a little bit about uh, about what's going on. Uh, we have Adam Pribble and Sarah Schreier. Thank you uh, from Minneapolis City. Thank you for joining us. Thanks yeah, for having us on. So happy to be here. Sweet. Cool. 
Um, why don't you guys, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves in your role at Minneapolis city, how you got involved and what's your official, your official title and all that. So, uh, our listeners you know, have get a better idea. Yeah, sure. Um, well, my name's Sarah. I'm the director of operations for Minneapolis city SC. Um, I have been with the club since its first year when we were still in the premier league of America. Um, and yeah, just Thanks, MJ. That's great. Um, I love being part of the club. I love everything that the club stands for. And yeah. Thanks, Sarah. The, uh, so my name's Adam. Um, I've been with the club uh, like Sarah f- since our first year, our inception. Um, and I've ho- uh, kind of worn many hats with City. So um, I was the uh, goalkeeper coach in the first year. Um, I was promoted to head coach for the next two years, 2017, 2018. Um, and then um, I, I was moved to a role called technical director. So in charge of player development and coaches uh, in the years following. And, and then recently tacked on a, uh, a new role called general manager. Um, so figuring that out as we move. Just keep moving up the chain. I guess, I guess. Uh, well, that's great. Well, we are all big man, uh, Minneapolis City fans. So um, I know we've all been season ticket holders at some point and most of us for consistently here. So um, again, very excited to have you guys. So MJ, why don't you, uh, why don't you take us away? There have been uh, new coaches. Adam, I'm glad to hear that even though there's not a lot of relegation going on in Minneapolis City, that there's promotion. Um, you're <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's good. Um, I, I think Matt Van Menschoten is is maybe on the top list of relegation coaches, but you know we'll we'll see. <laughs> you you just hired three new coaches, uh, in brief, uh, Ali Lipscher as the director of goalkeeping, Michael Prunty as the head coach of Minneapolis City Two, and Tori Burnett uh, as an assistant coach. What is Minneapolis City's coaching search process? And is it more than Bizwoman Morales bantering? No, who you got? <laughs> Great question. Um, it's you know that that's evolved a lot in our short stint here in the last five years. Um, like when I was the head coach in 2017, 2018, um, we're we're still all volunteers, and so this thing like coach as a volunteer at this level is a lot different than talking about, you know, coaching your own kid in a park board rec league, um, you know, every Saturday morning, there's a little bit more that goes into it. Although uh, we need the, every volunteer coach is, is a godsend. Um, so in the early goings, it was just like every coach used our own network, right? We just reached out to people say, hey, would you want to help out with this thing? It's pretty cool. And in the early goings, that happened with varying success. Um, but, you know, even like in my first year as a goalkeeper coach, I was coaching two or three different club teams. So I was, you know, sprinting to practice for my own training. I wasn't putting in the proper preparation. Um, and it, frankly, we just have a we have a a player centric approach with Minneapolis city. And so in order to do the best by our players, we need to keep leveling up the coaching staff. Um, So what we did this year is we knew that our programming was growing and we have more coaches um, or more coaching vacancies that we want to bring more coaches on and, and really 
provide a, an environment and a level of training um, that really kind of fits our level of player and who we want to be. Um, and not only that, we wanted to find coaches that uh, bring a different perspective to the game. Um, you know, and we want to, we also have a focus to continually grow a, a more diverse coaching staff because we want to represent not only our players, but Minneapolis as a whole. Uh, and so like, you can go a lot of different routes that way, but we, you know, because of uh, the great job that Minneapolis city has done with social media, specifically Twitter, uh, we, we posted a lot via there and some of those other outlets um, and saw what kind of talent came in. Um, so that's kind of how that process started, but you know, how the process really took off, we tried to do things a little bit differently, having coaches come out to different trainings that we were doing and really have a, an extensive vetting process where we talk a lot in just natural conversations with coaches about what are their coaching aspirations um, you know, what, what kind of coach do, do they want to be? Why do they coach? Um, and not just, you know, not just this formal interview process, which you don't really get a great sense for the type of person or their mission values, but really try to get a sense of who they are because to fit in and to be a steward and to promote the mission values of Minneapolis city, you really have to be a certain kind of person. Um, and, and really that just means you have to work really hard for no pay um, and you have to be all about the players and you have to be all about doing things the right way so if you know if any of those fit you and uh, you know to any of your guys's listeners out there like we're always looking at expanding our coaching staff and bringing people into the front office to to work with Minneapolis City because we're a member-owned club and that's the only way we grow Awesome. You mentioned that you're looking at diversifying. I, I noticed that, you know, two, two of the coaches you hired were women from Minnesota uh, Golden Gophers soccer. Really amazing resumes on both of them. And you would you say that this was a, a, an active, this was a deliberate attempt to try to diversify your co coaching staff? I think, here, you know, the these topics can always be a little bit tricky to kind of navigate. And, and certainly I don't want to put my, a foot in my mouth, but my big thing from day one, you know, um, is that we, we have to have a diverse coaching staff and even, you know, you can say what you want to say about me saying that as a, as a white guy. Um, but I take a look at the players that we put on the field. Um, they come from every walk of life and you know every kind of race creed religion what have you um and and representation is a big thing and so that's always going to be a part of our mission is to con is to continue to grow those opportunities and it just so happened in in this process that you know these coaches came across um kind of came across my desk so to speak and it was one of these opportunities that was, you just couldn't say no to. Like, I, and like you said, MJ, you look at the, you, you look at the resumes of Allie and Tori, and it's like, oh my goodness, like, you know, they're 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 the kind of coaches that make me nervous to work with, because it's like, oh man, I gotta I gotta step up my game now, and that that's the type of feeling I want to have every single time I step on the field, um, you know, for a short 
period in 2018, we were working with Carl Craig who came out and did a lot of, he did some winter training for us and different things. That's a dude that made me nervous every time I stepped on the field. Um, and for really good reason for that it's, it's not just not even just necessarily soccer related. So yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I went out to the bar with him a few times, made me nervous then too. Yes. Another, yeah. Dangerous, uh, dangerous occupation with Carl. So (laughs) if if you go to a punk rock show, that's even another level up with, with Carl Craig. I couldn't hang. Couldn't Mm -hmm. hang. I don't think anybody in the, in the Twin Cities can hang with Carl Craig. So, so you guys played in a seven on seven tournament, or or did you in in the Oktoberfest at at the Nessie? Uh, some people won some big cash by winning that tournament. Does the club claim this victory, or do you disown the players that won just as another group that feed your kids? <laughs> Sarah, what? How do you want to answer that one? <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, I mean, they, so they, keep, we, because they borrowed our shirts, um, we get a picture of the novelty check. They keep the cash <laughs> and the novelty check will go in with like our trophy case. Excellent. We did find out as a result of all this, if you don't know, you cannot take a big check to the bank and cash nope. it. That so, that's just wildly disappointing that is something i've now got to cross off my bucket list <laughs> thank you thank you i've always wanted to get a big check never have but yeah here's the deal they're all minneapolis city players um and the, you know there's a lot of different organic opportunities across the twin cities Socktoberfest is really cool it was freezing cold i went out there for one game and they're like oh man you're gonna stick around and watch the next one nope I'm out like it was freezing and so like that affected the play but like to you know there's so many different things that go into city I think part of it is can we help support our guys to like you know if these guys want to organically enter into different tournaments and do different so yeah of course we're going to do that um and so you know like I I frankly I hope our guys take more of those opportunities because there's a lot of really cool um you know different like ethnic tournaments and and different things that happen across the twin cities and one of the things that minneapolis city is looking to do in the future is to is to continue to work with all of these different communities across the twin cities and and be a part of those different communities but then also help to bridge those together so um hopefully we'll have some exciting stuff coming up in, in the next year or so that's really exciting it warms my heart to hear that. Speaking of your kits, your future kits are fire. What was it like working with concept kits of England? And how did you guys make that connection? Um, I can take this one. So that was actually um, mostly Dan Hudeman and concept kits kind of working together through Twitter. Um, they had done these designs and just kind of, you know, posted them and we loved them. We know fire when we see it in Uh, so we reached out to them and told them as much and told them about the futures program and they were all about it, really keen to help. And, um, so they took a few stabs at it and then they were awesome to work with. They were really, really fantastic. And whose idea was it to base the kit visually on characteristics of each neighborhood? Um, that was just kind of part of the plan for the futures to begin with. Um, 
to kind of represent the different few different neighborhoods of Minneapolis and then concept kits just went with that. Um, I think there were a few landmarks that we really wanted to focus on um, like the Riverside Towers and stuff, but um, they, they really went with it. Obviously they are not familiar with the area at all. Um, so they needed some guidance and direction there, but they, they really went with it and did a great job. I can say even as a, so I live in Powderhorn Park um, and, it, it, you know, even Dan being kind of a design and an ad guru himself, like him reaching out to me directly and being like, what, what should we, how do we design this? How do we make this look? How do we represent the neighborhood? Like those are some of those types of like organic things that like are really thoughtful instead of just saying like, Hey, we're just going to, you know, there's so many like quirky, iconic things that you could just pull from Minneapolis, but anyone could do that. Right. Um, and so I, I just appreciate the level of detail that our team goes into, you know, Sarah and Dan and concept kits, like they just did a phenomenal job. They really did. Sarah, do you have any uh, new merch you want to tease <laughs> a little bit for, for our listeners? Um, we have a lot of stuff coming in. So for the holidays, we're sort of beefing up our selection. It was a, kind of a quiet year, uh, if you guys didn't notice. But um, we have apparel and a lot more non-apparel items this year. Um, we have some stuff that's future specific. So really excited about that. Um, I can't give away too much because like we literally have stuff dropping this week. So I guess just keep watching us on Twitter for it and visit us at the shop. Well, I'll definitely be doing that. Last question I have for you guys. What is your non-soccer superpower? Sarah? Uh, I treat my dog like a, like he's a human. And I think that he buys into it. So I think like my superpower is like making him human. You are the dog whisperer. I am the dog whisperer. Not even the dog whisperer, like just the moose whisperer. That's it. <laughs> just, just my dog. Which is named Moose. Yeah, he's Moose. Awesome. He's also on Twitter. That's phenomenal. Um, I, I don't, I certainly don't have any superpowers, but I do, uh, if I was not a, a soccer coach, um, if I wasn't really fanatic about that, in a different life, I would have been a, a chef. I really and really enjoy cooking, and I had really thought about uh, abandoning everything and jumping into that world. Um, and then, uh, and then I, I found I found someone that I wanted to settle down with, and I decided staying up until four a.m. every night was, wasn't the way to go. Yeah, yeah. I worked in kitchens for a long time and MJ and Dan also love to cook. So you have some gourmands on here. So we appreciate that. Oh, we could swap stories. I want to hear all about yeah. it. But some, some other, some other time, man. I have, I have some I have, other time. I have some other, so many, so many stories. So, um, <laughs> but, 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 but follow-up question then, if you could be on any cooking competition show, what would you be on? Oh guys. Um, I mean, like the one I love obviously is top chef, but like I would want to be personally on guys grocery games yeah. because that thing looks so much fun. Can I answer that even though I'm not, a, I'm not an aspiring <laughs> yeah. chef? 100%. 100% okay, I want to be, I want to be on Hell's Kitchen or any Gordon Ramsay show. <laughs> I want to know how much of a dick he really is. Cause he seems like he's like 
kind of an ass, but also might kind of be nice to you. And he's the best. I think. Have you watched any of his British shows? No, but do I need to? He's a completely different person. If you watch his like, if you watch like, I think it's Kitchen Nightmares is on in both the U.S. and U.K. But it was on in the U.K. first. He's so kind and he's so like sincere. I wanted. I want to see all the different sides of Gordon Ramsay. He was also bringing this back full circle. A trialist, I believe, at Manchester United. He's a very Ah, good soccer player. Really, really, really. He's super good. So, Gordon Ramsay, if you're listening to this podcast <laughs> and you'd like to come trial for Minneapolis City, we're going to have is our first open trial level? on December 1st. There you go. <laughs> uh, before you guys go, anything else you want to anything else you want to promote? I know you guys have your upcoming member meeting on the 11th of November, correct? Yes. I will be there. Um, awesome. Sure I'll be there. Any, anything else or, or any Twitter handles or anything you want to promote? I just want to promote you guys. You guys are phenomenal and I appreciate you guys coming on here. Um, no, we're going to, I mean, just stay tuned. Check us out on uh, MinneapolisCity.com, MinneapolisCitySC.com. Um, we got the futures coming out soon and uh, I'm really excited for kind of what the next generation of Minneapolis City is going to look like. Yeah. Yeah, that's at MPLSCitySC on Twitter. If you're not following them, they are a very, very good, very, very good Twitter follow. So, um, so Sarah, Adam, thank you guys so much for joining us, for doing this. I know you have another meeting you got to jump onto, so we'll, we'll let you guys go. Yeah, busy, busy. Thanks for having us, guys. Yep. Thanks for all you do for the community. Awesome. No, Appreciate thank it. Thanks, guys. guys. You want me to be that type of dude and I want to be who you like me to, but we All right, and welcome back. Uh, it was a great uh, 20 minutes with Adam and Sarah. Um, we're looking forward to seeing what City can do. That uh, Futures program, uh, even when, like when they first announced it, was was fantastic. And I'm really disappointed that they didn't get a chance to do anything with it this year because of the obviously because of the COVID. But interesting to see what they what they do with that uh, that type of system um, going forward. So, uh, all right, let's break down a couple matches. Hopefully, theoretically, we're playing these matches this week. Uh, Chicago Fire. Uh, uh, November 4th, which is on Wednesday. Uh, this is actually the, the makeup game for the one that was canceled a couple weeks ago. Uh, and then we have uh, FC Dallas at home on Sunday, November 8th. So first off, Chicago. Minnesota is a uh, favorite in this game. Plus 105. Uh, Chicago Fires plus 240. Plus 245. Over-under is three goals. The under, sorry, the over is minus 110. The under is uh, three. Or under three is, is minus 115. So they're not expecting a ton of goals in this game, obviously. Uh, Minnesota hasn't scored a ton of goals. They also haven't conceded a ton of goals this season. So, you know, I don't know. Bang the under on this one, I guess. But, uh, all right, let's 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 talk through this, guys. Um, I know we kind of talked a little bit about Chicago uh, not too long ago. So if you really want to uh, deep dive, uh, go back to that podcast. But what's, uh, who should we talk about on Chicago Fire other than Frankie Calvo? Um, we'll get to him in a second. <laughs> uh, again, I really like the uh, – the striker, uh, Robert Barrich, he's one to look out for. Currently tied uh, for third in the league with the – currently tied for third in the league in goals. Um, pretty he much scores goals he, like a striker he, should. He does. He's very much like the Luca Tony, put the ball into my feet, I'll put it in the back of the net, and you don't have to worry about anything else. 
so much of their offense runs through through him and Frankowski. So I think those are kind of the the two big names on the attack. Uh, they have a bunch of homegrowns that are showing some promise. This team just isn't very good. Um, they they lack a lot of cohesion, and I think they were going into the season they felt like they were going to be better than they ended up being. I don't think that puts the the coach Rafael Wiki on the hot seat, uh, just because he wasn't he didn't have quite the the stable of talent that he might have liked to have. But their only win in the last six came against DC United, and I got to tell you guys that counts for half. Yeah. Like, like DC's real bad this season, so yeah, they're yeah they're in free fall. So so the fire the fire are just are not a super good team. Now the the sort of X factor here is that having so many young kids, it's not out of the question that one of those guys would step up and have an absolutely phenomenal game. But it's hard to say now who it's going to be because they're they're super high variability right now. Yeah. Uh, and then what's there's some Minnesota connections. Obviously, you know, we all know about Frankie Calvo and last year, you know, after the trade um, played one of his, probably his best game that I've ever seen him play against Minnesota United. Yeah. And where the, was the gentleman's agreement there? Yeah. We're, no shit. Right. Exactly. Um, play probably his, one of his best games. Again, I have ever seen him play. Obviously he was in a fire uniform as a uh, fire beat us. Uh, I think two to nothing on that night. It was, it was, just, it was cold and rainy in, in Chicago and we had, uh, it was the first time that we had gone without, ra- like we'd driven, we'd taken the train to, to basically to Madison, not quite Madison because the train doesn't, the Amtrak doesn't stop in Madison, but like a, a town that's like 40 minutes away. Anna's folks came and picked us up. And then, you know, we, Ragnar spent the night with her parents and we drove their car to Chicago and spent the night in Chicago. And it, yeah, again, it was just fucking raining the entire time. It was colder than shit there. And Anna had booked us in this just, I thought I was going to get murdered and like, I thought we were, someone was going to murder us in this, like a murder hotel in, <laughs> in Bridgeview. Right. Like, cause we were like, Oh, it's, it doesn't make a ton of sense for us to drive into like downtown Chicago proper, you know, after, after a game, all that. Um, yeah. We fucking, I, you know, normally like when, when you're an away fan, they won't let you leave early. Like they'd make you stay 20 minutes after a match to keep the, uh, you know, to keep, the fans from fighting or whatever the hell it is but like we literally with like 10 minutes left in the match i was like i was like fuck it we can leave now we can get to our car we can get to our hotel before like literally before this game is over um because our, our hotel was literally like that close to the to the stadium but it was kind of a kind of a shithole so fond memories of chicago um anyways so yeah so you know frankie cobble and then bobby shuttleworth is obviously the other uh, Minnesota United uh, related player. Uh, he's been starting in goal for them. And uh, Wyatt Olmsberg is also on this team too. Uh, Wyatt Olmsberg, former Minnesota United uh, defender as well. Center back. Center back, yep. And he's gotten some game time actually. Um, not, not in the last match where they played Nashville, but he definitely has gotten a little bit of playing time. So I think they really missed Dax McCarty in the midfield. Yeah. I don't know what they got in that trade with Nashville, but. Dak McCarty's looking really good with Nashville. Probably some Garber Bucks. Yeah. Got, got to assume the Garber Bucks were involved. Yeah. All right. Um, well, anything else on Chicago? <clears throat> They're not good. We should win. That is correct. That is correct. So, um, yeah. All right. So, who is going to win? If this game gets played, I think the Loons win <laughs> at this point. I, so, as of Monday afternoon, the Loons had not done group training since uh, their game against XKC got banged. 
and they're doing individual training. So that's not like a great sign, but I, I still think they could out-talent the fire. Right, yeah. Especially, I think a lot of it honestly depends on the severity of some of these injuries, right? If uh, Corey Hayes is is hurt more than we think, you know, than we think he is. Um, if Reynoso can't go, you know, 60, 70 minutes, might be a lot closer than, than, than we think. But I, I think you're right. I think we definitely have significantly more talent on the roster. But this would definitely be a game I could see the Loons dropping points in, like – and like sneaking out like a one-one draw um, at the death or something like that. So, MJ, Minnesota wins by one. Minnesota wins two-one. Perfect. All right. And then the season finale. Um, obviously, uh, the, there'll be one more game at least. Um, FC Dallas uh, comes to Minnesota on Sunday, and we haven't talked about FC Dallas in a little bit, but we have play- talked about them a bunch because we played them. I think this will be our third game against FC Dallas this year. First, actually, up here in Minnesota, but I believe our third game against them overall. So um, what do we have to worry about with FC Dallas? I feel like FC Dallas is a team that is just playing with house money right now. I think, you know, selling Reggie Cannon, Paxton Pomichol gets hurt, Zdrinikin Andrasik has to leave the team. If you gave me those three facts before the season, I'd say, oh, like, Dallas struggled this year, and rightly so. And yet, if Dallas wins this game, I think there's a legitimate chance they hop into fourth. Uh, this game very, very likely could be yeah. could determine whether the Loons, who the Loons play, it'll either be Dallas or LAFC, and where they play them. So huge ups to Luigi Gonzalez for getting a, a really, really young team to buy in, to work hard for each other. Fafa Pico and Andreas uh, Requarte were both team of the week this week. And Dallas has consistently had players on the team of the week. So I think they, like I, I think really highly of Luigi Gonzalez for what he's done with his team this year. Yeah, they played Houston in the Texas Derby and just annihilated them. They beat them, what, 3 nothing. I think that's right, yeah. yeah. 3 nothing. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and going into that, I would have, again, because of – the player absences on FC Dallas said uh, Darwin Quintero probably, you know, tears a hole through their, their D and scores a few, but didn't happen. Yeah. I've been, I I've also been very, very impressed with FC Dallas. Um, their back line has, as you know, it's bending, but not breaking. Matt Hedges is still doing what Matt Hedges is. And Jimmy Maurer actually has been, um, fairly great for them in goal when he's not been injured or, or, you know, suffering red cards. So um, I think this game will be, I think it's going to be a hell of a lot tougher than the Chicago fire match. I think, I think we all kind of tend to agree on that one. So. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, how do we, how do we play? How do we, how do we attack this FC Dallas team? Their wings really like to get forward. I mean, they really, really commit forward. So if the loons, if the loons can, pull them in and then counter over the top. I think they'll have success that way. Uh, Dallas's weakness is their center backs. Uh, in the previous games, though, the Loons did a very poor job of actually getting into that space and troubling those center backs. So that's really what it's going to take. But I think the easiest way to do that, rather than trying to push through the center of the midfield, is to fly up the flanks and then cut in. Um, if Reynoso is healthy enough to play this game, I think it sets up really, really nicely for someone with his skill set. But that's that is a whole ass week from now, and uh, who knows? Texas may not even be a state a week from now. 
That this is may true. be considered an international match. <laughs> to your point, I know it was playing against Chicago, not Dallas, but there were times where, whether it was Debassi, Betonair, or Finley, were getting balls into that six-yard box or the, the 18 in those dangerous center-back areas that we saw this last game. Some of them, really nice passes on the pitch, which I prefer to crosses anyway. So let's hope the Loons can continue attacking in that manner. Dan, just to jump on the point that you said about they like to attack with their wings and that we should look to counter. The flip side of that is because they like to attack with their wings, maybe we only send one of our fullbacks up, the, the, the fullback that's on the strong side where the ball is, and leave the weak side fullback back to help on defense. Yeah, I think this is a this is a great point. I think this, this is essentially a matchup of teams that want to play very similarly. And so it's a question of who can do it better. <laughs> and I think on raw talent, I mean, Metnair on his day, Lude over on the right side, I, I think United can win this game. We just haven't seen them do it at all this year, which makes me really hesitant to try to get into that. We're just going to try to do exactly what you want to do better than you can do it. I don't want to get in that battle with Dallas right now. They're just, they are so much more confident than the loons. Yeah. And uh, I'll say, you know, to your point, Dan, about they're attacking the center backs. We did, you know, the last match we played FC Dallas um, was actually a win. It was actually home. Sorry. This is the second time that they played here. We were supposed to play them uh, a fourth time, but that game was canceled because of the COVID uh, stuff. So um, we did not have Kai Kamara in that match, right? So you know we didn't have someone who can who can do the things that we that you know you're at we, you know you are suggesting that Minnesota United should be thinking about doing. So which is another interesting uh, interesting point as well. So uh, all right, how does it end, Dan? Let's start with you. You know, based on what we saw last year. Uh, in Seattle, I think he doesn't go after the full points in this game. I think he pulls back a little bit. Um, I think I think United play hard. I think, honestly, we see a number of the Reno players get some minutes in this game and more power to them. Maybe they can really put their stamp on things. But uh, no, I think Minnesota United loses this and we end up on the road for the playoffs. MJ? 1-1 draw. Yeah, I, I tend to think that's going to be something like a yeah one one draw or, or a one nothing loss where Minnesota just looks impotent for being like the most of the match. Maybe they have a, tw- a a nice twenty or twenty five minute stretch where they create some chances, but Dallas, you know, I think Dallas certainly would like to host uh, at home. They can have fans, so especially if they win, if Dallas, especially if Dallas wins on Wednesday and they have everything to play for in this game. And Minnesota drops points on Wednesday. I think it. I think you definitely we could definitely see a heavily rotated squ- uh, side for Adrian Heath, and and I think then it ends up being. I think um, I think if we win on Wednesday, I think this ends up at a draw. I think if we lose, I think we end up losing this game as well. So and maybe drop all the way down to sixth place. So in which case we would be going to uh, Seattle for the for our playoff match. So excellent. That there is no way that can go wrong. Right. <laughs> which raises the question Dan asked a few episodes ago about do we want to tank or do we want to win? I mean, I think with the way things have shaken out, I think you try to win because yeah. Minnesota United is better off. I think honestly, our best case scenario is playing Dallas, whether that's home or away. I don't want any part of LAFC with Vela now back and healthy or Seattle, Portland, SKC. I think those are the really, really class teams. 
they've been consistently pretty good. Honestly, of those three, Sporting Kansas City is probably the weakest, and they have we have not played well against them in games in which Timelia has not gotten a red card. I, I would I would take us versus Portland versus then versus uh, Sporting Kansas City. And I'm not saying that Portland beats Sporting Kansas City or loses to Sporting Kansas City. Either way, I'm just saying looking at the matchups and the style of play, I would take Minnesota United against Portland way over the Sporting Kansas City. That's certainly fair. right on. All right. Okay, so we haven't talked a lot about Europe recently. Um, we've had a couple of uh, derbies. Um, I do want us to point out that it is the Zellberg Derby this weekend, Man City on Sunday Sunday morning. So if anybody wants to watch my wife uh, not talk to me for the rest of the day, um, I'll probably be at the Blackheart. So <laughs> uh, it's either Man City wins and um, I, you know, our day goes about normally or Man City loses and then she doesn't talk to me for the rest of the day. So, uh, yeah. And then we can, you know, we'll stick around and, and watch some Minnesota United and maybe my wife and I will be sitting at opposite tables. So that's just, that's, that's just good socially distancing. That's all yeah. you're doing. If you're into marital strife, uh, this is the day, uh, what, at least twice a year, uh, we get it. So, uh, yeah, MJ, I think you threw a few things in here. What's, uh, what do you got? Well, <clears throat> my Bundesliga team, FC Union, they win away at Hoffenheim three to one. And that's a really good win for them. So I'm super stoked yeah. about that. That was I'm, today, right? Yeah, that was today. That was yeah. the afternoon game today. And just really good good passing and, and attacks. Their first goal was, was a penalty kick by a guy who has apparently a, a record going in Bundesliga for the most penalty kicks without missing. But regardless, the, 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 their goals from the run of play were really, really pretty. Um, sorry, the, the one goal was not pretty, but the passing leading up to it was, was pretty. So. Fair enough. So they're fun to watch. Um, yeah. Really happy about them. Not so happy about my Premier League team the last couple of weeks. I don't know why. Losing just uh, – uh, it, it kind of feels like the same old Everton. But it, it wasn't sub- such a problem with being second on the table – because Everton, who's not happy about being second at the table? It's who's first at the table, David. That's that's yeah. what really that's what really makes it sting. That's what really mm-hmm. makes it hurt. I mean, order order has been restored, guys. It's it was a weird it was a weird six weeks, but you know now we're back to we're back to order. We're back to everything being right in the world. So um, I'll throw FC St. Pauli. Uh, they played the the Hamburg Derby over the weekend, and um, it was a kind of a a really boring ass game for about 70 minutes. Then it turned into a really good game for the last like 20 minutes. And uh, FC St. Pauli drew with uh, Hamburg um, at, uh, at Hamburg for, yeah, the two, two in the, uh, in the Hamburg Derby. So that was a, a fun, a fun match to watch on, on Friday. So. Uh, and the women's Everton team loses its first game of the season in the FA cup final in which their opponent, Manchester City, brought to bear every free agent that they went after in the very brief offseason to just really dominate that game. I think uh, McIver, the goalkeeper for Everton, gets the player of the match for good reason because she had to face a lot of shots. And you look at Sam Ewis scores, Roosevelt started for them outside of the Americans. Uh, the Canadian Janine Becky comes on in extra time and scores 
Manchester City's third goal. Uh, Lucy Bronze bossed the right back position. Uh, Chloe Kelly, the former Everton striker, didn't score, but was very, very effective in passing through the midfield and in the, in the attacking third. And so you just, if you want to watch the highlights to a great women's game, it's there. Again, sad that Everton loses. But if you like watching uh, the U.S. women's national team players, two of them started, U.S. gets the goal. Yeah, the uh, the WSL is the, is the place to watch them right now. <laughs> They're it's the only place playing with women's uh, U.S. women's team players in there. Um, Dan, Arsenal did something historic on Sunday. They did. They beat Manchester United at Old Trafford, uh, which is remarkable in and of itself. It's the first time they've done so in the league since 2006, which is just sad. Uh, they've got an FA Cup uh, win there more recently than that. But even that, I, I want to say it was like 2013. It was a long time MJ, ago. You could ask MJ about a losing streak at another team's grounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't... Uh, but even Everton have not struggled at Anfield the way that Arsenal have. Now, they, they may have the longer streak, but so Arsenal won a very drab 1-0 game, uh, the only goal being a penalty by Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, which wouldn't be super notable, except that's literally the first time in Premier League history that Arsenal have scored a penalty against Manchester United at Old Trafford. They have only been given two other penalties, and they missed both of them. So the fact that that PEA stepped up and slotted home the penalty means for the first time since 1992, Arsenal has scored a penalty at Old Trafford. And it was probably even longer ago than that, but that's the Premier League era. And one of those misses, if I remember from your notes, was Robin Van Persie. It was. Van Persie was the first Arsenal player to be given a penalty at Old Trafford and biffed the penalty. God, I don't understand how the refereeing works in the Premier League with 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 Manchester United, man. I know people bitch about Liverpool and all that, but Manchester United is a whole other level in terms of calls. It, it totally is. And I think what this speaks to is just how much it matters not having fans in the stands, right? This is the first time Arsenal has played Manchester United without fans, and they play – very well at Manchester United's place and they get the penalty, <laughs> which, and, and it should be noted, this was not a, a VAR decision. This was not close. This was cut and dried. Paul Pogba did something really stupid in the box, yeah. but like, so they, 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 they probably get that penalty anyway, but it just speaks to the fact that every half call, every wow, that really should have been a penalty goes against away teams in places like Old Trafford and Anfield and, I'm sure the den Millwall's home because the referees don't want to get shanked in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. And finally, MJ. So in La Primera in Portugal, Reggie Cannon, uh, who we talked about earlier, former FC Dallas MLS player. He started it right back. He goes to the full 90 and helps Boa Vista who were winless on the year. They, all they had were losses and draws in their first five games, playing Benfica, one of the top teams, probably the top team in, in Portugal yeah. now. In Porto. Uh, one of the big one of the big three for sure. Who were five and oh and oh. They were they had five wins. And Boa Vista upsets, albeit at home, Benfica 3-0. So congrats to Reggie Cannon. Yeah. Good for Reggie Cannon. All right, um, so that'll do it for us, guys. We Again, we have those two matches coming up. Uh, Chicago on Wednesday, um, FC Dallas on Sunday, the Zellberg Derby's on Sunday. So lots of, lots of good soccer. Then we have 
the drab drab international break. So we'll have to figure out something to, to talk about during the international break. Um, I'm sure we can figure out something, but um, if you guys want to find us, you can always find me at Texas Zeller, Dan's at uh, D Wade, MJ's at MJ Matsui. Uh, I saw Bill McGuire actually on, uh, on Saturday at a uh, social distance birthday party outside. Hopefully he'll be back relatively soon. He's at Bill underscore McGuire. We are at TDI and on Twitter. Again, if you want to check out Minneapolis City's merch drop at MPLS City SC on the Twitter as well. Uh, again, patreon.com slash the Daves I know to help support the Daves that you know. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, again, we've been the Daves you know. This is the Daves I know. If you haven't yet, vote on Tuesday. Yes, vote. Or die. Land here become feet, con. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Through the act, we attract two, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. Do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. Son, son, son.